Go for it. Welcome to The Pursuit of Love, episode 33. We are flying along in these episode numbers, by the way. Mm, and we have, we have Ricky Sinclair of Epic Snow Tours. Ricky, it's a pleasure to have you join us, man. We've been pumped for this conversation for probably like, well, I think we started talking about this like about two weeks ago or something like that. Uh, and for the audience to hear your story, I've only heard a little bit of it, but your your appreciation for your industry and what you do in business and the the I should say the the passion and fun to what to what that you bring to what you do is something that I know our audience is gonna love. So welcome man. Good to have you here. Well thanks for having me guys. Uh there has been a bit of lead time on this, Gus. We've um had a few good chats about it and it does roll quite naturally when we're both talking about something we we love so much. So no, it's good to see that's recognized by um fellow passionate business people. But uh, yeah, I consider myself one of the lucky ones that we, you know, get to call something we love doing work. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, this is uh, our fifth year that we've been running tours internationally now. And it just gets better and better, man. So yeah, here's to, we're, we're stoked, I guess, with this year more than ever, just all the hard work and planning and um, problem solving and figuring out the nuts and bolts of how to herd a group of people around a, a country that doesn't necessarily speak English. Um, well, you're going to have to, and, and have the to tell us about that. Uh-huh. So here's, here's the thing. When we usually, you've got to know this about podcasts as well, is that they're actually a really good way to bring on a particular or potential client that you might want to actually sell to really good way to have a conversation with them. And then eventually, you know, they say, Hey, that was a cool podcast. What do you guys actually do for business? And then you can talk to them. But here's the thing, Ricky, is it's kind of the opposite with you today, man. Like we're going to be one of your buyers one day. I've already, <laughs> I've already worded up Steve. Yeah, like, we're going good. like it's, it's happening. But man, run us a yeah. bit through what you guys actually do with, with Epic Snow Tours. What's it all about? So it's funny that you say that because it, it, it is one of the, it's quite a natural or organic conversion um, because it is such a story. Um, so Epic Snow Tours was, is a business uh, where we take uh, guided snow tours to international destinations of Japan, New Zealand, and domestically within Australia as well. Uh, we were founded with one of my best friends um, who we both worked in a ski shop in Canada for many, many years together. And he's an Australian as well. So when we moved back to Australia, we were like, well, we, we don't want to stop doing snow trips. So how are we going to do this? Um, that we can keep ensuring that we're going to be traveling, uh, meeting people, um, going to the mountains and pursuing something that we love. Epic Snow Tours is based on all of those uh, boxes that we needed to tick. And uh, the, the idea was to bring people along to these mountain mountainous areas in the world that we absolutely love um and showing people around uh stoking people out on being outside in nature and connecting with um something that i think we've lost some way with it uh and we we intrinsically need so uh Mm. our tours range between a week to 10 days uh depending on the format we have a couple of different tour structures uh, but especially our flagship tour is our Japan tour. 
Uh, just That's the one we want, Steve. Write that down. Yeah, Japan. It, it, I love exactly. Japan, man. Japan is oh, such a beautiful country. Everyone does. Dude. And the, the more you sort of scratch the surface, the more interesting. And I, th- I think everyone's sort of endeared to that culture because it, it's so unique mm. to any other part of the world and so different to even other parts of Asia. So, When did you go, Steve? Um, when was that? I went for a ski trip. Uh, March, it was like, March last year. Yeah, cool. Where'd you go? Uh, Hakaba. Yeah, good old Hakaba, man. Yeah, it was good uh, fun, well, man. I'd never, yeah. I'd never done Japan before. Um, and it was just such a great experience. Like, it was the food, the culture, the people, the scenery, the feeling in the air. Like, I can totally get why. You know, I was doing all right, Ricky, about this whole ISO life thing until you just started talking about that. And now I <laughs> so want to go to an airport right now and get to the ski fields. It's ridiculous. Yeah, the mountains do call. Once, once they're in your, in your blood, man, it's, um, it's something that just keeps, keeps calling you. And, and when you connect, even over a video call or, or you know, a conversation like this, um, it is such a tangible thing. People just get excited. Yeah. Uh, regardless of age, like within within our tours, we have um, ages from eighteen to sixty eight years old. You know, we've got a, wow. a a guy who's come on. I think this will be his sixth sixth tour he's done with us this year. Oh, like as of this year, uh, and he's sixty eight. You know, it just that's frost, so good. Frost yeah. game, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Did you spend any time in Tokyo or Kyoto? Yeah. When you- yeah, we spent a we spent a uh, not not a quick not a lot of time in Tokyo. Just like a it was kind of like bouncing out on the way on the way back home. Uh, so caught the train in, and then I think we spent one night uh, in Tokyo. But yeah, not a lot of time. But I loved it. Would love to spend some more time as as well. How much so you time mix- did you spend skiing, Steve? Specifically, I think we skied for five days. And are you wrecked? Because I've never been. I've spoken to Ricky about this yeah. previously. Um, I've never actually been skiing. I've never stood on a snowboard or a set of skis by five days are you completely wrecked or how, do, how does that all go it's down to your ability man like i uh i've actually just recently changed to skis i went to new zealand with my family got wife and two young girls and we went to went to queenstown and i swapped to skiing learned learned how to sk- ski for the first time instead of snowboarding instead of snowboarding yeah ah. snowboarding growing up I find skiing a lot more forgiving on the old body <laughs> than, than, than snowboarding. Yeah, Matt, the learning like, curve Matt, behind snowboarding. Oh, yeah, man, well, Matt, Matt just came back from Canada. You did a you did some snowboarding in Canada. Yeah, Matt. I did. I did some did snowboarding you? over there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that was my that was my first time. Where 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 were you in Canada? Uh, Big White. Uh, all time, man. How was the season? I think it, it had an all time all time snow season this year, didn't it? BC. Um. Above average, I mean, or no, I wouldn't. It was it was good, I guess. Like I've, I've never <laughs> yeah, done yeah. it before, so I'm like, there was snow. That's your baseline. <laughs> I, That's your benchmark. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey. Like like anyone who's was, like a newbie of their craft versus a, a master. Like I'm sure you're seeing things in the snow that us would be like, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, a bit that's of snow true. there. Matt, yeah. Yeah, Matt's, just like, so. Matt's just like the guy so. that rocks up to a game of poker has never played before and happened to win. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. you would rock up for the 20 year high as far as our uh, snowfall goes because sure as far as um yeah recent years canada's yeah. had relatively like mediocre seasons but this year especially was considered uh, one, okay. of the, one of the best in 
you know, the last decade or so. So yeah. good timing, right? Really good timing. But you do, you do get wrecked. You do get wrecked. But going back to the nature point you made, Ricky, it's so spot on. Like, mm. it's the coolest thing. Like, so you go, you go boarding for a whole, whole, uh, whole morning or whatever. Get right, get right at the top, and then like you get ruined. Like you have a big stack or something, and then you just like if you want to, you just sit on the side of the mountain for like twenty minutes and just watch. And it's so relaxing. It's like a form of meditation. It's like a form of meditation almost. That's exactly it. Right? There's not many times where I don't know. You, you, you hear the term flow state and you know meditative mm. states and these times where you're not thinking about anything else mm. in your usual day to day parameters of you know things you got to do. Uh, for me, when I'm on the mountain and, and I can see it with our guests as well that when they're up there, they're truly there. You know what I mean? Mm. There's no present. Hundred percent. Yeah, mm. it's just a mindset and they're. They're thinking about what's around them, the, the environment that's changing constantly. You know, there's some degree of, um, you know, danger like any sport. You know, there's it's gravity assisted falling on a piece of wood. You know, you're, you're just <laughs> yeah. falling at with pace. Style. <laughs> yeah, at pace with lots of other people with like weapons on their feet. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It, there's so many variables out there, so it it does force you into this. Yeah, like you, like you were saying, a meditative, meditative state and the social aspect of going down the mountain, getting back on a chairlift with friends or strangers and yeah. having a conversation. Having a chat. Um, it's so good. Having a chat. And it's always positive. You know, you're, you're either talking about conditions, you're talking about uh, the day you've had, you talk about, you know, the beers you're going to have um, yeah. at lunch and- with your friends. It's just a very um, simple experience but it is it, it holds so much you know i love that and that's interesting i think i think we're going to go deep into this in the conversation i'm sensing just getting to know you now ricky that there's probably some more depth to the tours than just on what people may mm. see on the surface level yeah, it's of, not just going to it's, ski. it's not just going to ski by the sounds of it well it's see it uh, let me know if i'm way off here but it seems like there's almost a a deeper motivation there as well that seems to be central to humanity rather than just skiing or having yeah. a good time. But I think that's a big part I, of it too, right? I think so, yeah. It's funny that you say that because what I guess what we struggled with to start with, my business partner and I were trying to, um, I guess, monetize the experience mm. of what the tour is actually holding. Like, the, There's a product there, right? And we're just like, well, people can book a tour. Well, people can book their own ski trip and holiday. We understand that. You know, that's not, it's not for everyone. So how we, what are we trying to create here? Um, and I guess just naturally it started from the first tour, which, you know, our backgrounds are not in any way tour guides where mm. I'm a chef by trade. My oh, really? partner's a plumber. Yeah. So we, what we had was just a love for what we were doing, what, what we love doing and, and that's snowboarding and, and being in the mountains with, with people and sort of educating them as to what our, our, our experiences are with it. So we were like, what's happened is, is all this, I guess, passion for, for being in the snow and being in the mountains has started to come across as that's the experience for, for people that are, I guess, what's really reaffirming for us as a business is that we get a really high return clientele mm. Um, mm. people are booking on as soon as the tour is finished. So mm. and I think that's, that's good, 
I think that's because people see that that's something they want to be a part of. You know what I mean? And it's not us per se. It's they just want to be surrounded with people, like-minded people that love doing um, what they're doing and being outside in nature and, and being part of something that's bigger than just our four walls of day-to-day life. Yeah, I like that. You know, yeah, that's we could be sitting here and, you know, you're thinking about being in Japan right now. Mm. <laughs> I, you know, we're all thinking about being on the snow together. That's, that's cool. Uh, mm, mm, that's a lot of fun. Question, this is going to be a weird one for you, you and your business partner. How much of the conversation was this when you're brain, like I want to paint the picture of when did the idea like come planted in like and what what did it look like around you? What was the conversation yeah, with your business partner? And this was part of the conversation, how do we get other people to pay for me and you to go yeah. to the ski, ski fields all the time? Like how do we get, how do we create a business out of how going we- snowboarding? So I'm really lucky that my business partner is probably one of the most uh, entrepreneurial people I know. He is extremely driven. He's an, he's an executor um, where we both have creative minds where we can, we can brainstorm and, and put these ideas together, but he just runs with it. And mm. as soon as we've got something that's solid and it resonates, He's just in there. So I'm just, you know, I'm trying to keep up to some degree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But what the, com- the way the conversation wa- went was it was pretty much just what are we doing now that we're back in Oz? We sort of were away for, for such a long time and that was such a part of our identity was living in, in Canada and, and being, um, I guess, were you, were you mates immersed before in this? culture, like living in a ski town. Were you no, mates well, before we this, or did you meet? I w- did you meet over there, or were we you? Met, we did, yeah. We we met over there. So he yeah, worked cool. for me. I was I was his um, manager in a ski shop. Yeah, cool. And obviously just got along got along really well. So I think coming back to Australia, we sort of lost a little bit of that identity with being so tied to a close knit um, community and felt a bit lost. So I think it was really a a, a cause and effect. We were trying to reconnect in some ways back to the life we knew while mm. still starting a new life back in Australia. So the conversation, well, to answer your question, yeah, the, the conversation went something along the lines of let's just like, we, we put a business model together, a uh, business plan together, um, showed it to a few friends and family members that, you know, have some grasp of, uh, of business <laughs> and they were just like, look, all you can do is try. And you know when it really hit was when we'd launched for the 2016 dates, which was essentially our first year after we'd done our research trip. And somebody actually, the first transfer of money landed in our account. Mm. Know what I mean? Like the first mm. booking came through, we got the email, and then, you know, later that afternoon, there's X amount of money sitting in our bank account. And it's like, oh shit. You know, yes. this, how we have to do this now, you know, there wasn't a choice yes. and there was some trepidation there. I, I felt like we both felt we have to make sure that, you know, the fact that these people have sent money from around the world without a physical product in exchange, you know, that's just a, a complete trust thing that yeah, we're going to be there in Japan was a surreal experience. I hadn't saw, I didn't see that coming at all. So it was, uh, that was a pretty, I think 
moment for me as both business goes. It's like, yeah, like I started a business, but I didn't think anyone would actually buy anything. Uh, it is. Yeah, it was yeah. one of those. It was totally one of those moments. So I think for me, that was like, okay, we're doing this, and it sort of just compelled us to knuckle down. We, you know, the next four months from that was a very like action-packed yeah. time where we're just scrambling. Um, another part of the ethics snow business that started really organically. Ironically, again, with friends that we'd met in Canada was a, a Japanese um, business partnership is uh, two very good friends that we'd both we'd also met in Canada. My wife used to live with uh, Miu in shared accommodation and Kimmy was a, a local skier who used to come in and, and get his boots, his ski boots worked on in my ski shop. So when we first went out to Japan during our, our research trip, and we'd already had the business plan sort of established at this point. We went and stayed with them uh, in Tokyo. Kimmy was a teacher and me was a stay at home mom with a little girl, Liz. And we crashed with them for a few days. We, we sort of touched on that. We were thinking about starting these snow tours to Japan. And Kimmy like is an amazing skier. Like he's grown up in the mountains with his parents mm. skiing his whole life. Mm. Uh, same with me, who done skits. No wait till you see wait till you see these types of people on the on the mountain dust they <laughs> it's kind of like you know when we play golf and you see these people hit the ball but they don't hit the ball like normal people they yeah, yeah. they just something just, very right mate, about it. it's so <laughs> when you talk about flow state it is so perfect the form yeah, it's amazing yeah it's po- poetry in motion man. it really is art yeah. Kimmy is a snow ninja, is what we've <laughs> termed him as. So we'd mentioned to him that we were thinking about these snow tours. He's like, you have to go to this one particular area. This is where I grew up skiing. It's to me one of the most special places that I've been to. And, you know, we've skied all the same areas in in, um, in Europe and North America and Canada. Um, so we're like, all right, well, that's a pretty good recommendation. We've got to go check this place out. And we had an itinerary to go to these other places further north into Hokkaido. And we just kept extending our stay in Miyoko. So this is where we base our tours now is uh, Miyoko, which is in the Niigata prefecture. It's actually only like 60K away from Hakuba as the crow flies, but closer to the okay. coast. Okay, cool. So it's, a, a, it's what you call a microclimate because of its geography. It's so close to the coast, but it gets this northern siberian trade wind which is just freezing cold so <laughs> heaps of precipitation with this really cold trade wind just mm. creates an insane cold. amount of snowfall so yeah. <laughs> we we got really lucky when we were there and we came back and told kimmy yep we're going to bring people to Miyoko." and he's like well you know what i'll buy a hotel and you can bring the guests to to uh <laughs> to our accommodation we'll, we'll have a partnership we're like, Done. hell yeah. <laughs> so in three months, they went out, bought a, uh, a hotel, renovated it, barely got the roof on before we started bringing guests over in, in January. Wow. So oh. since then, so for the last five years, they've just been extending the hotel, um, building the business up. Uh, it's called Japan House because it's very much like staying at somebody's house. It's not a, a hotel. That's sick. Like, you know, that's um, so good. And we bring all our guests there and it's like our home away from home. So 
we've got to see all his, uh, he's got three little girls now that um, they're like our children when we're there. We'd, we've seen them all grow up year to year. And uh, yeah, it, it, it just, it felt really right. So that's a, that's to me a, an amazing um, part of this whole journey is, is friends starting businesses together and, and mm. um, making sure that the relationship stays, um, yeah, stays strong through the whole thing. So, so good. Yeah. What's, what's the mountain like there? How would oh. you describe it? So it's Japan, as far as its topography is very different to like Canada, for instance, Matt, where you just get so much elevation. It's relatively low as far as altitude goes, but mm. you're essentially going from sea level as well. What makes Japan amazing is it's incredible snowfall. So they average about 14 to 17 meters of snowfall in a three to four month period. It's crazy. It is bananas, dude. Like houses are buried. Um, the amount of snow clearing that they have to do on a daily basis is just a, another level. I, I'll, I'll send some photos through to you, Dust, just to give you some context. Right. Because yeah. it, uh, it is a mind-boggling um, thing to actually look at and, and just go, well, this is on a daily basis. So for people that typically get to a level of intermediate riding within skiing or snowboarding, your free riding ability sort of changes, either goes down one road or it goes down another. And that side, what we're looking to pursue is more of a free riding style mm -hmm. of um, experience on the snow. So you're mm -hmm. really looking for soft, deep snow. Mm -hmm. That's the closest to flying you'll ever be on yeah. your two feet. And does so much for your confidence too. There was one good one good day we had at Huckabar and so we got up early. Everyone's there. We got right to like got as high as we could and it's sort of like knee level. And you're just like, man, I am actually I'm actually boarding through a cloud right now. Like it's yes. it's it feels you know that feeling. It feels amazing. It's just it's so soft. It's beautiful. Yeah, I know exactly. But yeah, that's insane. That's so good. On, uh, so, on, on, sorry, go ahead, Ricky. Go ahead. No, no, please. Just, I was going to say, on the, I was fascinated by something you just said then in terms of you met this Japanese couple, you became friends with them, and then later down the line, you connect and they simply just offer to you the fact that they're going to buy a hotel. And mm. now all of a sudden you can use that. And the reason I ask is Steve and I, we've had this experience with the sales game is when you seem to align on something mm. that you know is so true to you and that you just want to give to the world, like all you want to do is have people experience it. Mm. And that's your intention and that's the perspective through which you see things. It's amazing how often things just fall in your lap. Mm. Like I don't know what it is. People say, you know, the universe conspires for you. Perhaps that is the word for it. But it's, it's almost mystical how mm. well the world supports you when you want to give to it first and foremost. It's uncanny, man. Yeah, it is. It is, and it, and it's such a story that people are endeared towards. People want to see things like that succeed. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a it's a person now. It's a family. It's a, yeah, it's a home. Yeah. It's a it's more than just business now. You know exactly what I mean? Right. And, and that's it, cool. And it feels like that when we're there. You know, we're, we deliberately try and we've always said we don't want to lose the, I guess, a word intimacy of the, the smaller groups. So we've, we've been really reluctant to scale it too big mm. with the guides that we have, you know, two guides to, you know, six guests max is sort of where we're, we're looking to top out at. Um, 
just because you, I think with bigger numbers, you'll lose the, the connection between other guests and each other and, mm. um, and the guide. So that's something we're mindful of and we're aware that it is that balancing point and we sort of have found that sweet spot. Um, we've tried to go bigger and it didn't feel the same. Mm. So we keep coming back to this smaller group size because we can have those conversations and people aren't lost in the groups and um, the dynamics of personalities, you, you can find that sweet spot again. I think, I think that's an interesting topic to talk about, Ricky, and I'd love to go, I'd love to go as deep into that as we can because it's, it's honestly a topic I think a lot of people sense, but I don't think I hear it that often. And that is the idea that sometimes when we get into business, uh, it might start as the thing that we love doing then it becomes economically viable and then all of a sudden we believe we have to scale it Yeah. when sometimes that might actually not be the right thing for not only the business, not only the experience, not only your clients, but even you and what you enjoy doing. Like, Can you go a bit deeper into that of like maybe even the mind battles you may have had with your business partner, with you, with the concept of, oh, I'm a business, I need to be super profitable and scale this thing to the wazoo or hang on a sec, let's go back to the roots of what this actually is. Can you can you go a bit deeper on maybe some stories around that, if you've got any? Yeah, really insightful, Matt. Um, sorry, Steve. We had this conversation probably two years ago um, before our 2018 tour started. And we were in this mind, we were in that mode, as you guys are probably aware, it's, you just get that momentum of working so hard and, and you know, building the nuts and bolts of the business. And then I guess naturally you, you're under this self-imposed pressure to grow it so much in such a small amount of time, because that's what you're sort of programmed to think. Mm. Um, and there was a very honest conversation between Ben and myself that we just had a moment where we're like, we're not, focused on making this the best tour right now. We're having conversations about making it the biggest, the most profitable uh, scale, scaling plans. Mm. So it was a bit of a check for us. And then we mm. sort of went back and said, no, how are we going to make this the best tour possible? Mm. And that was going back to our initial philosophy of making sure that guest experience was paramount. Mm. And that just meant keeping the group smaller, fine-tuning the practices we've been working on and naturally developing over the last few years. And the fact that after that conversation, we both felt more at ease and confident in what we were going to do for that year. And it was probably, the, you know, from that was our turning point. As tour guides, as um, people that were focused towards customer experience and, and positive guest experience. Um, I think that was where it was a, a turning point for us professionally as well as personally. We, mm. we became better at what we were doing. Mm. Guests were happier. Um, we had more returns than ever before. And word of mouth is still one of our strongest, well, our strongest conversion tool. It's crazy, mm. hey? Isn't yeah, it? It's, it's it is. ironic. It's ironic, hey? Like, Tyne, your thought, Das, of how it seems that when you truly set an intention 
that your work or the pursuit of your love is actually pointing to other people, not yourself. Uh, and you get yours out of it by the enjoyment of the creation and the, the sharing of it. It's funny how things fall into place mm-hmm. and the business grows. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's interesting, you know, like we, we sometimes get caught up in our business head or our success head, I, mm. I feel. Mm. And that actually sabotages what is the beauty of the thing that you're creating in itself. Um, what is that, do you think, Steve? Why is yeah. why? It's like our ego or something gets in the way and decides that it now needs to be about money. Yeah, well, I just think, I reckon, the, I reckon our listeners right now will know the exact study or something out there. Like where my brain goes is yeah. the study where they're talking about children and drawing and children love to draw and create craft and then they turned it into a job for them. And they said, you know, you must produce X number of drawings per day. Um, and all of a sudden, they measured in these kids, like their enjoyment for the craft massively went down. <laughs> it's almost like as soon as you start adding mm-hmm. metrics, as soon as you start adding, you know, forced, forced work, not flow work, it seems mm-hmm. to be, it seems to, I don't know, I, I need some time to, we'd, it's a great topic. I'm, I just... It's pointing my brain there. I want to figure it yeah, out. Yeah. Perhaps it's forced because you you start earning a bit of money or start people start seeing it as successful. And the last thing you want to do is probably lose that image of success. Could be part of that as well. And so you well, hold even, on to it Even tighter. just calling it a business. Mm. Like, yeah, the, yeah. In the by definition, <laughs> like you want it to an- grow annually. That's Otherwise, true. it's a, a failure. Yeah, yeah but I don't... I think, I think that's something of the programming though. Like why... Mm why do you have to grow year on year? Mm. Like, Yeah, that infinite growth model, that is fundamentally flawed, I think. Right? Where, like you said, year on year, you're expected to see that top line sales increase. Um, and failing that, it's just like, well, why are you in business? Where if you look at yes. big picture growth and sustainability of business and um, staying true to what your, your philosophies and, and mission statement are. Um, I think making that your driving force is, is probably a, a more sustainable way of um, yeah. running your business. But where does ambition then come into that equation? Yeah, because that's, I mean? natural, that's natural for us as well. There seems to be uh, a correlation to enjoyment, well, I do anyway. I think this is a very entrepreneurial character trait is there's enjoyment in ambition and risk. <laughs> there's an enjoyment in that in itself. There's enjoyment of, oh, we just got paid for our first tour. Now we have to get six. Otherwise, it's, we're losing money. And now we have to fulfill on our promises. Like, I think you got a big smile on your face. The audience can't see this. But I can tell like that's in us as people who love these different ways of spending our time. You know, I love I the so. thrill of it, you know. And I think we, we've, maybe in your situation as well, you guys have found, well, you, you're sole traders now, but through this whole time that Benny and I have been running Epic Snow Tours, this, we've been moonlighting as tour guides. We still have our full-time jobs. Mm. So I think that takes a level of pressure off um, financially to, to yeah. not scale it to a point where, you know, this, we need this now to be our primary income, um, which can take away from that, long-term organic sort of growing method to a business. Mm. Um, sometimes it's that desire and drive 
for it to succeed is more oftentimes than not financially um, motivated mm. um, because yeah, people, people need to make an income. Yeah. So I think for us, it's worked well for the business to, to grow it um, without the, the driving force of, of being, um, yeah, our primary income. What I think, what I think this is interesting and I think, I just have a having a guess that our listeners will uh, will resonate with this as well. It it perhaps it's perhaps pointing to the fact that when it comes to growing a business, starting building a business, I think people still believe there's a a way to do it. Does that make sense? It's like yeah. this is how you do it. You do your vision, then you do your business plan, then you do this, and then you get minimum viable product, and then you scale, and then you seek funding, and then you like. Mm this is the path to success. But I think what this is highlighting is there is not a way to do it. There's infinite amounts of ways to do it. And those, those infinite ways to do it are based on what you want mm. and what is the thing that you love. You know, I think if we can make that okay, because I think there's, I'm curious, I'm just going to go there. I'm curious to know whether at times you feel like there's external pressures for you to be full-time in Epic Snow Tours because that would be the business, you know, that would be when it's, that, that's when you've made it, you know what I mean? It, does that ever cross your mind? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's ultimately still end goal, end game. Um, obviously, with everything that's happening in the world right now, we're sort of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> grateful that... Yeah, you're <laughs> That would be stressful. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, things work out for a reason. Um, the, the, the demand is there. Uh, we mm. are still building new tours. We're adding new tours to the, to the portfolio every year. Um, we're making sure we're doing it right and not rushing it. Uh, with growing it outside of the, um, my business partner and I guiding, the next comes the challenge of who are we recruiting to essentially run the tours For if you. we're not there. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, so that's that a really, Ricky? That's a struggle uh, of ours as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because you, 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 you give up your baby. It's like or, your baby. Yeah, yeah. It's hard. And particularly, right. I'd, I'd have a sense here just, just. So do you and Ben go on a tour? Is it just one of you that goes on the tour? Or like, how's uh, it working? Typically, it'll be Ben and I both. Yeah, so um, I'd, I'd say right now that's a big part of the experience. I can just tell, like, hanging out with you for a bit. Like, yeah. Yeah. you're, you're part of the experience. So, like, it's, a, it's, an, interesting, it's an interesting battle. So, yeah, how you, how you going with it all? So, so, we've always known that that's exactly what you said. We're part of that experience. We're part of that product. So, how do you then replicate, essentially, yourselves um, into it? And we've always been – well, my philosophy of recruitment is if you – poor recruitment is so inefficient and so damaging to a business. So instead of recruiting reactively, wait, wait for the right person to come along. You know what I mean? It has to be a fit, right? Um, And you'll know it based on whatever you want to call it, your instincts, um, your knowledge, you just know. So we've always held firm to that. And you know, maybe out of the five years we've been doing it, we've met one person that we could say, yes, we, we, that's, that's the person. So it's great, man. 
Actually, that you... just happened this year where we're like, that's the only person I know that could do that. Mm. That could do what we're doing with the care, with the passion, with the, the level of um, safety involved for guiding a group on mountain. You know, all of that definitely factors in. The cool part about that I'm finding is that when you discover these gems, I call them gems, just absolute legends of people, they normally lead on to other legends of people. Have you noticed this? It's just like, you know, you discover one and then you discover another and away you go. Um, yeah, that, that's because all these like-minded people are drawn to each other. And so you're just tapping into this other network or this other gem pool yeah. of, of incredible people. Just great that are people, yeah. Same philosophies. And yeah. so just finding them. Like you said, that's the, that's the diamond in the rough that we're chasing. So, yeah, I think it's just knowing when you see it always you're always looking um yep. have you guys found that that's the case too are you actively searching or are you just well it's, it's waiting for it to present itself that totally resonates it's like we're we're kind of at that stage we've had to pivot the sales game so much with this whole covid thing it's been a blessing in disguise we're actually trying our first virtual sales game on saturday so we've got that's 25 yeah 25 players jumping in from four countries and you know a whole how, new way of doing it. So, and how quickly did you guys adapt? You know what I mean. Man, that it's, is nuts. That happened yeah. so weeks. In yeah. weeks, that's incredible. So, so, and and Matt's been doing an awesome job with some of like the promo stuff and the videos. Like, it has really come together quite nicely. The webinars and all that stuff. But is it sold out now? Yeah, it yeah, is officially oh, sold out. Yeah, it is. Mate. It'll because it'll have happened by the time people are listening to this podcast. Yeah, yeah, as well. fair enough. But yeah, the web, the web, we're doing webinars and stuff. But yeah, we've had to pivot quite quickly, but. We're very quickly realizing we need great people around us as well um, because we can't be doing this all day, every day. Like, um, you know, even just as a, as a family man, now enjoying time with my two daughters, you know, Alyssa and Nora, seven and five, I'm thinking like, okay, so how do we make this so that I can spend more time with them as well? Because beforehand I was just traveling so much and that's just not sustainable, you know? Yeah. Um, so it is, it is a bit of that not actively searching, but just keeping an eye out for like, oh, that person's brilliant. Like that's a really great mm. match of values. They, you just yeah. trust the people, they're just people that you trust and like immediately. And you're just like, this could be a friendship for a long time. You just know it, you know, just in an immediate time. They're the special people. So true. So true. I think we had a, a moment there where as most startups and you guys probably can relate to this as well, or a lot of people listening to this will relate with starting your own business. You're, you're so happy to take on and wear so many hats um, mm. and just load yourself up and to the detriment of, you know, your personal life, you know, which mm. when, when you talk about things that you have to give up or sacrifices or, you know, the hardships, they're, they're, they're real because, that time needs to be allocated to other things mm. now. Um, so we had that turning point where we, similar thing to what you're saying, Steve, and you want that time with you, your loved ones. You, you mm. don't want to give that up and forever or X amount of time. So mm. instead of doing all our video editing, Matt, you can probably, this will re resonate to you, you know, all our marketing, yeah, yeah. all our design, all our uh, merchandising, all of that, you know, we started to, outsource that so pay the talent to then work for us so mm. we can free ourselves up to be the happy fulfilled 
energetic, passionate people that when we're on tour, we're not exhausted, we're not tired, we're not (laughs) shattered from doing a thousand (laughs) different things through the year to make make those that month in Japan work. So yeah, that was a big part of it and, and, and still is moving forward that you know what, it's okay to just stop and and um have a life because that's what makes you you and yeah. you're not optimal um even in business if your personal life I feel like isn't yeah, yeah. Not, nice. you know, yeah. healthy. That's that's something that I've been wondering about because earlier on you said that the whole reason that you started doing it was because you used to work in Canada when you came back to Australia, there was a bit of identity lost. Yep. I was like wondering if, is that happening again at the moment now that it's kind of potentially taken away uh, for the I, meanwhile? I think it's definitely forced us to stop and, and think and really reassess where we're at. I think everyone's having that um, moment of self-assessment. Mm. Um, I, you know what, for that time the time that I've been back in Australia, I've actually been in Australia now longer than I was in Canada. And it probably took me about three years to stop feeling like I wanted to get back on a plane and go back to Canada. Yeah. But um, I followed a girl back to Australia. That's why I came Del, back. Del, and Del, 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 <laughs> yeah, Del. And best, best decision I've ever made. Right? It was yeah, the hardest great. decision I ever had to make was leaving, leaving all my friends and, you know, my family over there, um, which was, you know, when you look back on chapters in your life, you just like that is a golden memory mm. for me mm. um, and always will be. But, you know, with things like this now, we can catch up and it's interesting. chat face to face from around the world. So, yeah, it took me a few years to not feel like I, I wanted, I kept my head and my heart was taking me back there. Um, and I think these tours and these trips have really helped me as almost a form of therapy to, yeah. <laughs> to find that yeah. you, can, you can have both. You know, it's not a, a sacrifice. You're not cutting the cord. It's, um, it's yeah. just a evolution. Um, I'm curious about this, Ricky. You you seem to have a level of patience around things that many don't have. Uh, like even the fact that you've been doing how many years as Epic Snow Tour has been going now? Uh, five years. Five years, right? So like that that's actually like a long time to a lot of people, you know. Uh, particularly when you're pursuing one thing. So how, I'm curious to know, where did you get the patience? Do you agree with that statement of my read of around, you know, you seem to have this chilled patience around, it'll it'll come good. Like we just need to f- stick to our core and just keep keep going, you know? Where does that come from? Is it a, a parent thing? Is it a, you're brought up that way? Is it a, a significant event that made you not, care about certain things as much as other like, you know what I mean? say first before mm. you answer that thank god you asked steve because i've spent a lot of time with ricky he's uh ricky is my partner's housemate yeah awesome. so i've spent a lot of time with ricky recently and i'm gonna be honest ricky i've learned a lot from you about how to number one be a man i really truly have i think you're a you're a phenomenal uh, example of a man and number two uh how to ultimately take care of a household. I think you're an extreme example of that. And the patience that uh, polishes all of that is probably the one trait. I was talking to Ash about this already. Like it's probably the one trait I've picked up in you that is highly admirable. It's just your cool, calm patience. So I'm glad you noticed it, Steve, because I was sitting there wondering like, man, am I just the most impatient man in the world or is yeah. Ricky the most patient man in the world? I'm glad, I'm glad you asked. Go ahead. Yeah. 
Oh, that's uh, thank you so much, guys. That's I don't know. I, I it, you hear it, but it's still you know it's it's hard to hear it at the same time. So maybe maybe uh, in all honesty, Steve, I think I my mum is probably the most positive person I know. She's mm. currently in isolation right now. She's seventy one this year. Wow. And she even with the thought of being locked you know, in, in our house for the next six months, she, it blows me away. I, I FaceTime her most days just to check in and see how she's doing. And the level of positivity that she gives out to the world is just phenomenal. Even if it's like, I just looked out at the trees and the clouds for the afternoon, just had the best time. It's like, who says that? So I don't know, yeah. maybe I do get it to some degree from, from my mum. Um, I'm a middle child between two very driven, um, ambitious uh high-spirited girls mm-hmm. so i don't know if that's tempered my persona mm. through our childhood to i don't really have much of a choice it was probably survival at yeah. that point to <laughs> just make it through adolescence um between two very uh very outspoken women um, but make it through adolescence yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm just going Man, to the snow didn't you like didn't you like leave your sister when she was six and then see her again when she was 16 or something like uh, that it, it was like i think rachel was 14 when i left so she was in her early 20s yeah 23 probably when i I came home. That's crazy. That's a very that's a very different person. Like if you would have put oh, your fourteen yeah. year old self yeah. versus your twenty three year old self, they are entirely different people. Oh, I've got my therapist will be laughing with this one day. Just a so much potential counselling sessions that'll be done <laughs> as a result of this. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it is the. I think it's an environmental thing. Mm. I think people. Um, get these attributes get certain attributes based on their their surroundings and um, so true, man. I, I think that time of being outside and um for long you know basically from when i was 18 um and i started traveling and went overseas to when i came home in my uh late 20s i think that to me was a big part of who i became was just being outside and and realizing that you know how how relative everything is. Mm. Um, so yeah, no, I appreciate the compliment, guys. That's actually that's one of the. That's a beautiful way to start the day. Um, <laughs> oh, you're welcome, man. It's great. It's great. Where did you yeah. grow up? Out of curiosity. Uh, Sydney, man. I was a Sydney boy. What's the heritage? So, I, I might have asked you this before, Ricky, but um, you've got some sort of heritage in you. We all do, but you got something like that. You can count. <laughs> That's a great. You could you could say that to anyone, Dar. Yeah, so you, you got a bit of heritage, you know, heritage in you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or well, it's just the same as like, man, you've got an accent, hey. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. true, true. Um, so my my mum is uh, Filipino. Yes, she awesome. is one of ten uh, in her family, so she's a true wow. Filipino. Uh, where yeah, you know, Catholic vein runs very deep, yeah. and they plenty of kids, a big family, and, and very. <laughs> very, very close with all their family. So I think my first cousin Facebook chat has something like 300 people in it. Um, wow. So it's it's crazy. And, and my dad is um, 
UK Australian. So was uh, born in the UK, raised in uh, raised in Aussie. So they met um, as both uh, dad was in uni and mum was a teacher. Well, continuing uni education. So yeah, they met in nineteen I think nineteen seventy eight was the oh, wow. wedding anniversary. But um, yeah, we sort of grew up middle class Australia. Dad was a um, psychologist. And then he right. retired from psychology and went into uh, business. He owned a few uh, jewellery shops uh, in Sydney. Cool. And um, mum basically raised us with our grandma. Uh, and we did skins overseas. We went to the Philippines for months at a time and, and spent time with family over there, which I'm so grateful we had that experience growing up because uh, those relationships are still so solid you know, mm, even awesome, into, our, into adulthood. So, yeah, that's, uh, have you guys been to the Philippines? Is that? I've never, no. No, 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 no. I'd love to. I think it'd be cool. How about you go no to the Philippines on through to Japan? Yeah. There's no yeah. snow there, but it's, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. did you get yourself a, the, sorry, man. sorry, go on. Did you get yourself a UK passport? No, I, I've never needed it. I sort of, when I was, I went to, um, culinary school in Europe and I was under a student visa. And I sort of bounced around with that, and I was like, "Well, if I need it, I'll, I'll, I'll get it." Um, but no, it's never really. Haven't needed it. Not, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I, I definitely go down that road and and have it for the sake of having it, because you know, if I start a fa- if Del and I start a family, then um, that's obviously something that's an option for them as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's great. It's a great move. It's it's yeah. a big small world. Hey, Steve. Is Double it time. time? I think Double time. time. So, Ricky, you, you haven't Double listened time. to yeah. one of these podcasts before, have you? You're first time, first time listener, first time guest. That's me. Well, we finish we finish every podcast with with two two doozies of a question. Oh, yeah. uh, Go on. You, you can take you can take it as far as you can take it as far as you want, but I'll do one. Okay. Dust will do one, and we'll see where it goes. But the first question is, uh, what have you come to know and believe to be true? that you know a bunch of other people simply disagree with? Um, for me, I think 99% of people out there are really, really, really good people. I think there's too much distrust between mm-hmm. um, people in business and people in general. Um, I think it's easy to believe that, that there's people out there that are out to get you and um, there should be a certain amount of, of mistrust with any dealing, but I think it's served us pretty well knowing that, well, trusting in the fact that 99% of people out there are, are doing the right thing. They only want the best for each other and humanity. Um, and I think that is something that, yeah, maybe not a lot of people believe in, but I, I, I try and use that as a bit of a moral guide when in doubt. And um, I really like yeah. that. I really yeah, like that because what I think what that speaks to as a message is, I I I I, I think I'd be one of the the few that agreed there, particularly even more so during this COVID time. Like I'm actually seeing humanity mm. almost at its best. You know, I'm uh, I'm seeing I'm seeing some good stuff happen, and I think I think you're right. I think I think we've been somehow led to believe that there's a lot more just really 
terrible people out there that are out to get you, like you're saying, and ruining things and conspiracies and stuffing stuff up. And sure, there might be some, but every day, like it, it appears that there's a lot of good people. And I think what I like about that message is it it gives people an opportunity to be that. Yeah, you know what I mean. And, yeah, and and just have that hope. You know, that there, there's yeah, there's a brighter future out there for for us all. If yeah. um, if everyone holds to that. That's great, man. I like that. Darcy. Oh, thanks, dude. Second Ooh. question. Go, Darcy. This one's a good one. All right. So what is something that you currently hold and believe to be true, but that you sense yourself starting to let go of? One more time. Say it one more time, please. What is, what is something you currently hold and believe to be true, Okay. but that you sense yourself starting to let go of? Maybe I, I don't, I'm just going to say it because I don't want it to come across the wrong way, but take it for what it is. I think maybe <laughs> up till, up till maybe, uh, my 30, like my 30th birthday was a, a time where I just had a really honest conversation with myself and said, you don't have to please everyone, Ricky. Mm. And I think letting go of that has um, maybe taken a weight off my shoulders. I, I feel like I, I was letting, I'd never wanted to let somebody down, but I think I've come to terms with that's okay to do that if I've tried mm. my best. If I've done everything mm. I can, exhausted every possibility, I can put my head down at night and go to sleep and not, not lose sleep over it or, or, or stress about it. I don't know if that answers the question, but... That answers it. Um, no, it totally, totally, totally resonates, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. And, I, and maybe that's just a coming-of-age thing for people to, to realize that, that, that that's okay. You know, you, mm. you, you don't need to carry that level of pressure around on your shoulders all the time. Um, mm. Do your best, do everything you can, do the right thing. Um, but at the end of the day, um, it's okay to... To not have a successful outcome every time. Yeah, I love oh, it. Nice. Well said. I've, I, w- I want to wrap up with one final thought, and uh, and and this could be like a little Ricky soundbite uh, because you started. Ready. You started with uh, you started with the concept of around you know connection to nature and that being something really good for us. Like it's something that's built into us as humans. That's my read on what you're saying. I'd love for you to like close out the podcast with what is your philosophy around what's the best thing for us right now when it comes to humans connecting with nature? What's what's Ricky's soundbite? What's his philosophy on that? Because uh, I think you're going to help a lot of people through that. Uh, get outside. Guys. Get outside, go for a walk, look at a leaf, pick, pick up a rock, go for a swim. Um, look at the clouds. Make a plan. Make a plan to do something that will really challenge you against um, yourself as well as our environment. Uh, if that means a, a, a hike, a climb, um, a big bike ride you've always wanted to do, uh, I think you'll find an amazing amount of growth in those challenges um, mm. personally, and you'll appreciate these wild places out there because um, we need them. Uh, more than they need us. And mm. I feel like if we don't 
have that appreciation for them, um, I'm scared that we'll we'll lose them. But I, I don't think we're there. I don't think we'll end up there. I think we're coming back to um, this renaissance time where people are mm -hmm. going out and appreciating it uh, and realizing that we need it. Yep. Love it. Love it. Romanticism is back, team. The renaissance <laughs> is back. Appreciate the renaissance of nature. <laughs> appreciate the beautiful things sitting out your window right now team and uh, i think that's a great way to wrap up the episode if you've uh, joined us all the way through and you've liked this definitely uh subscribe like let us know what you thought of this ricky where can people connect with you and and your business and and find you? Uh, our website is www.epicsnow.co and we also have a pretty active uh social feed on our instagram and twitter um it's at epic snowco is our tag uh so follow along guys we post pretty actively when we're on tours as well so people get the uh almost virtual experience of what we're taking oh, guests bro. along with i'm literally uh, jumping on instagram right now it yeah yeah check snow, it out there's uh some pretty, pretty good highlights and if um yeah if you froth snow uh chuck us a follow and reach out guys we're um we've got time you know I've I froth snow. I just saw a picture of Cardrona and I now immediately miss it. So <laughs> what a great way to end the podcast. Ricky, I think we'll be spending more time together in the future, man. I look forward to uh, hanging out with you on the go. snow, man. It'll be good. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, boys, and um, and your time. No, thank you, like, man. straight back no at you. I've really enjoyed, really enjoyed the episode and the chat. And uh, yeah, I look forward to staying in touch, man. Good on you guys. Take it easy. Hey? Stay safe. Cheers.